Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. This is Molly Bay. Today is July 21st, 2019. 49 days to kick off. And the rookie is reported today. You heard anything about that? No. I just saw pictures of them like walking in. I think today they're just getting measured and weighed and all that. Yeah, I think so. Same with the veterans when they come in on the 25th. Yeah, Thursday. 26th will probably be the first full day of practice. Yay! Yay! Fact check and follow up. Got one follow up. We had talked about the CBA, the last one that was signed, and how much the floor is for teams. What's the minimum they can pay as far as salary cap is concerned? We know what the maximum is. It's 188. Yeah, something like that. 188 million. It's a max you can play players, but there's also a minimum, and that's 89% of the salary cap. So that comes out to, I don't know. Hold on. Let me do math. some math. <laughs> So let me see, uh, 188200000 is the salary cap maximum, 89% of that, you carry the one, cross out the zero, move some decimal points around, it's $167 million, about $168 million, somewhere around there. That's the minimum teams can spend now, but there's a catch. You don't get docked if you spend less than that. It's actually over a four-year period. The first period was from 2013 to 2016. Second period is from 2017 to 2020. So as long as you maintain 89% average over that four-year period, you're fine. So you can go down way below. As long One as year, and then the next year make up for it. Right. And the funny thing of it is, is that the penalty is just that you have to fork over the difference to the NFL Players Association. So it's really no big deal. It gets spent no matter what. Right. You're going to spend that money no matter what. Just found that interesting. Wonder what they're going to do in the 2020 CBA, if they're going to change that up or anything. I was listening to Ian Beckles talk about it, and he thinks that this CBA negotiation is going to get ugly. They always do. Yeah. As far as I know, no team has ever been fined for not spending enough. Yeah, I've never heard of it. I think it must be really hard to do. What? Spend less than? Yeah, not spend that money. You get backlash from fans. Fans keep up with it. I mean, look at our fan base. They were mad when Raheem Morris was coach because the Glaciers weren't spending any money. Well, and now everyone's pissed off that Jason Light squandered all the salary cap money. Can't never be satisfied. The only way to be satisfied is if they're winning the Super Bowl every year. I don't know. Well, but you figure does anyone in the Patriots fan base oh, you, bitch about them? You know they do all the time. Somebody does. There's like a contingent, a small contingent that wants Bill yeah. Belichick fired. Right, and Tom Brady, they want him gone probably. I've heard a lot of people on Twitter, they'll retweet bad takes, and most of them are that Mike Evans is not a great receiver. Who said that? Idiots on Twitter. <laughs> Buccaneer fans? or I don't know. Just random comments. And they're like, ah, he's good, but not great. Well, he they're doesn't... probably Thomas Bassinger's uh, shadow account or something. <laughs> they, uh, he he doesn't have these big, splashy highlight plays where he catches the ball and then jukes out 15 people and runs for 20 yards. Right. Do you think that he's the type of receiver you have to see on film to be able to appreciate? No, not really. I think you just have to watch him during the game and just how consistent he is with catching the damn ball in traffic. I mean, he's a, he's a first down machine. Yeah. If it's third and seventy five, you throw it to Mike Evans. Most likely, he's gonna 
catch the ball, get you a first down. Ian Beckel said he has the potential to be one of the best Buccaneers of all time. I think so, yeah. And he said, but for Mike being on losing teams all the time, he'd probably get some more credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he keeps this up, he'll be a Hall of Famer. You know, if he just keeps up at the pace he's going now, I think he's going to increase a little bit. Yeah, I think so, too. I think this offense will be better. It was so interesting to see if they put him in the slot as a slot receiver. It would make sense to me. Put Like all the time side. exclusively? Majority of the time, Or yeah. just occasionally? Yeah. Because, I mean, you figure you're going to have a, a nickelback up on him or a linebacker. Oh, come on. Come on. Okay. You, you wouldn't have your your top cornerback. Yeah, that's what I want to ask you is the stud corners are usually on the outside? Mm-hmm. Okay. That'd be a really good idea. I know, right? And he's great at catching the ball in traffic. So. Oh, yeah. He likes contact. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. That'll be interesting. Is I'll get out. But, yeah, you put Perriman on the outside. Put um, Godwin. Godwin on the other side. Those are two speedy guys. Uh, Godwin's just not a good slot receiver, I don't think. Scotty Miller, I could see as being a good slot receiver, but I think it would be just so interesting to put, just like he did with Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona. You know, Bruce Arians put his best receiver in the slot. Boom, done. They just marched down the field anytime they wanted to. What was the reason for him to do that with Larry? Just shaking it up? Was it Larry's age? Yeah, Larry didn't have the speed he used to have. Mike isn't really that fast. No, he's not speedy. He can get a burst, but he's not... That's not his uh, niche, I no. guess. Mm-mm. He's more of a physical receiver. Speaking of physical receivers, yeah, boy, Julio Jones. You heard that he wants a new contract? No, I didn't. Yeah, he wants a new contract. Good Lord. Not holding out. He showed up at camp. Oh, uh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he'd hold out. And it just goes Atlanta to show you implode. that you can do it without holding out. There's this new, you know, this new trend of players holding out, and it's not necessarily what you have to do to get a new contract. Yeah, look at Pittsburgh's running back. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, he ended up not playing all season and getting shipped to the Jets and not getting near as much money as he wanted for the holdout. Yeah, so he held out with the Steelers, forfeited his whole salary, which is like around $14 million, $13 million or something like that. Yeah. So he lost all that. They were going to give him $15 million a year. They got up to that point, and he didn't want that. So anyway, he goes to the Jets, and he ends up signing a four-year, $52.5 million contract, including an $8 million signing bonus, $27 million guaranteed, and an average annual salary of $13.1 million. <laughs> so he just lost all the way around. Yeah, I think that's and how you have to do it as and an organization. He's, and he's going to the Jets. So, right. Yeah. I mean, staying at the Steelers, you're at least a contender in your division. Right. Yep. He's not going to know what that's like for a while, if ever again. Julio Jones, on the other hand, plays it smart, still shows up. And I think Arthur Blank made a statement that they're going to reward him for it. It just uh, it just shows good faith, I think. Man, between him and Matt Ryan, that's like half their salary cap right there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, what'd you say? Didn't you say he Matt Ryan was like making like $30 million this year? I, I know Drew Brees is. It wouldn't surprise me if Matt was up there, too. Oh, no. He's only making 15. Is that right? His cap hit is 15. Woo! 44 million? What? Yearly cash. He got a $46.5 million signing bonus, $100 million guaranteed. Wow. And an average annual salary of $30 million. That's Matt Ryan. Jesus. You think we'll be looking at something similar for Jameis? Probably. It's going to be over $20 million a year. 
Good Lord. Our cap situation next year is going to be a nightmare. So right now, Julio Jones has a five-year contract that he signed in 2015, $71 million, including a $12 million signing bonus. 47 of that was guaranteed. Annual average salary of $14.25 million. So he's on the last year of his contract, or 2020 is the last year. And that's what typically happens, right, is that as they get towards the end of their contract, their money gets smaller. And that's why oftentimes towards the end of their salary, they'll do this and say, I want a new contract. Yeah. You can't really fault him because this year he's only making, what, $9.6 million? Uh, 13.46. Okay, 13. <clears throat> that's, that's with his signing bonus of $2.4 million per year. Added. Gotcha. He also had a restructure too, which gave him 1.4 million this year. They took it from 2017, something of that nature. I don't know. Point being, that's a lot of damn money. <laughs> that's a lot of damn money. He needs more. I need some of that Julio Jones money. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of contracts, Devin White got his that's finally. Right. Yes, and nobody knows how much it is. No, they haven't released it yet. I think it just happened yesterday or today. It, it can only be in a certain amounts there's a, a minimum and a maximum they can pay these guys i mean he was a what, top top five draft pick right? yeah what was was he he was five he was number five okay yeah so that's all structured i mean there's not a whole lot of leeway they can give with that but it's four years guaranteed money every year the fifth year option we just don't know how much the guaranteed money is or anything yeah we have no details maybe by next podcast we'll have something and when we say we we mean all of buck's world yeah exactly not just me. we'll just be able to talk about it we we've insider information. I saw a video posted on Twitter from Chuck Smith. He posted a short video showing Noah Spence training at his facility. Now that really, really, I was really happy about that. I'm I'm big on Noah Spence. If you listen to the podcast, you know I've been big uh, advocate for him for a while. Why he hasn't played, I would really like to know. The only information we've gotten has been rumors that him and Buckner didn't get along. And that there were some personal issues. Yes, yeah, but we don't know anything. I it's know, just, it's so vague. It's very vague. I mean, for such a high draft pick to just kind of peter out. Not from his play. It wasn't his play. His play was fine. I mean, he got hurt, but his own field. He played through an injury, too. Yeah, yeah. And then... It's interesting. That's the second player I've heard had issues with Buckner. McCoy had issues with him, too. Remember they got into it at training camp? And remember them on the sidelines? Yeah, getting into with each it other? too. Yeah, and like the media totally ignored it. Yeah. I uh, wonder uh, if that's why BA didn't keep Buckner. Because they had a connection before they had coached together. I was sitting there trying to lip read what they were saying to each other, but they were like getting up in each other's face. And yeah, they, were, they had to be separated. Yeah, Clint McDonald got up off the bench and had to get between them and everything. And not a word about it from the media. I, if there was anything said, it was like, ah, it's, it happens. Yeah. This wasn't last year. It was two years ago. I, think it was two I thought years it was ago. last year. Might have been 2017. So anyhow, Chuck Smith, he trains the likes of Von Miller, Aaron Donald. Chuck Smith is like the elite pass rushing trainer. You just had to say those two names, and I'm on board. Right. Did you recognize Chuck Smith's name? Yeah, he used to play for. Oh gosh, I want to say Atlanta. He was a defensive end. Hold on, let me look this up so I don't have to do a fact check. <laughs> so yeah, doing the. Search, we find out that Chuck Smith played for the Atlanta Falcons. He was drafted in the 1992 NFL Draft, and he played with them until 1999. He had uh, 58.5 sacks, 322 tackles, three interceptions, and a defensive touchdown. He also went to their first Super Bowl in 1998. So, Which they lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got some. 
We got some good stuff coming up about that here in a minute. Our division rivals losing Super Bowls. So Chuck Smith is, it's really good to see Noah Spence training with Chuck Smith. Yeah. My whole point. I think I think Noah Spence is going to just come out of nowhere this year and just surprise a lot of people. Yeah, I hope so. Because I was watching him on tape, and he's the same size as Shaquille Bennett, or Barrett, yeah. Shaquille Barrett, and I think I think it might be NASA. I can't remember. It was one of our defensive ends. So, you know, he's he's perfect for the system. You know, he's a hybrid. He's outside linebacker size and defensive end size. But when I watched him on tape when he played for the first year, I was just like, wow, this guy could be elite. I mean, he's got some moves. He's fast. And he wasn't that good on the run. I'm stopping the run, but then he got better. He was, he started working on. It. He actually even said, "I got to work on my run stops." And he got better as the year went on. So, I, th- I think the guy can be elite. Elite. Speaking of elite, Pro Football Focus boo, said that Vita Vea should have a breakout year this year, and that in the last six games of the season, he was the best defensive tackle or some crap like that. Wow. Yeah. Ian Beckles was really high on him too. Well, he said he's an unknown, but he's got the potential to be really good. Yeah, if yeah, you can say that every year about everybody. If, right. if things fall into place, Vita Bay is going to be an elite lineman for us for a long time to come. So, yeah, speaking of losing the Super Bowl, we're watching the All or Nothing with the Carolina Panthers. We got through the first three episodes. <laughs> Molly had me laughing so hard. She, <laughs> they, were, they were up... Cam Newton's butt so hard in this show. I mean, it is really the Cam Newton show. It is. And every time they would say something great about him, he, Molly would be like, well, he can't win the Super Bowl, can he? <laughs> said, and I was just dying. You said something one time. You just popped it out. It, oh, my God. I about spit my beer out my nose. But that show, I'm very disappointed in. I don't know if it's because we dislike the Panthers, so we want to dislike the show. Yeah, we talked about this after. I like. I really don't know if it's confirmation bias, or I don't know what kind of bias that would be. Yeah, if you had never seen any shows, you didn't know anything about the Carolina Panthers, you didn't watch All or Nothing previously. Yeah, all that good stuff. Because we watched would, the one with BA yeah. and the Cardinals. You might would like this one and go, "Hey, this is pretty neat," but I think it's crap. Well, for me. It just seems really insincere. Everybody seems phony. Everybody seems phony. And like they're putting on an act. And you see it in Hard Knocks, too. They kind of do something similar. Yes. Yeah, so well, with Hard Knocks, these guys, the HBO cameras are like all around them all the time. But with the All or Nothing, it's NFL films. They've got cameras in the offices and set up all throughout the facilities. And they've got cameras. The NFL film cameras are all the ways around these guys. So they don't really know. They're being on film like they do with Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks is a special crew that comes in and follows these guys around. All or Nothing isn't. You know, like these guys probably didn't know they were going to be on All or Nothing until we found out. Yeah, I guess that's my question. Like, do they know ahead of time that they're going to be on there? Because you act very differently when you know that you're being observed, Mm -hmm. especially if cameras are there. So I don't know if they're putting on the act. And I don't really recall... In the Cardinals, all or nothing, whether they were doing all these speeches. I mean, they did do a lot of speeches. Yeah, there was a lot of speeches. But I didn't find it as grating as I did with the <laughs> Panthers. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I assume these guys don't know that they're going to be on because it would have leaked. Yeah. It would have leaked somehow, somewhere, some way. Right, like someone who doesn't make the team and then... Yeah, and... They kept it, you know, nobody knew about it until, what, two months ago? It was yeah. like, all of a sudden, boom, hey, all or nothing from 2008 season is going to be the Carolina Panthers. Everybody's like, what? Everybody thought it was going to be this season coming up. Yeah. 
Little did they know it was last season. Unfortunately, we haven't got to the point where their team implodes yet. Yeah. We're waiting for it. We so just, it's kind of unsettling. We're like, oh, they're winning. <laughs> <laughs> but they just signed Ed Reed. So I don't I don't know. Is that going to be what Eric blows Reed? a little? Eric Reed? Whatever his name. Yeah. I can't remember his name. I don't know. The safety. He was involved with the whole the kneeling thing. Stuff. So uh, is that going to be something that tears the team? What, what happened to them last year, man? Because they just blew up. And I can't wait to find out. All right, let's start with episode one. That's the one where Greg Olson gets hurt. It everyone talks about how he is like such a integral part of the team, and him and Cam Newton have good chemistry. It didn't appear to us like anyone even liked him in the <laughs> locker room. That's how I felt. We're sitting like there going, he's like that awkward dude that just says weird stuff, and everyone kind of looks around like, is he serious? Right yeah, now? yeah. Like he tries too hard to get people to like him or something. Yeah. He, he was saying things to the younger guys about, oh, you're, you'll mature one day or you're maturing or whatever. And you can see them like rolling their eyes. It's like, God. Yeah, he did, he did not seem to have a good character personality, which it's to me, there's really nobody on the team that has any in, endearing personality or character. Very strange. Then again, like you said, it might be confirmation by it because we don't like him. We do not like the Panthers, <laughs> especially Cam Newton. Can't stand him. Episode two. I don't remember what happened. Episode two. We recorded us watching this, and I tried to get the the audio off my phone and put it on the computer so I could edit it so we could play it, but I, I couldn't do it. Thanks for messing up. Oh. Kind of in a time crunch, so wasn't able to do it. Maybe next time we'll we'll do combine them all together because. It was some funny stuff. We were just cracking up at how silly everything was. It was just so serious. I can't stand all the speeches. We watched a clip with Pat McAfee. McAfee. Better say it right or he'll get mad at you. Oh, he does? (laughs) I don't know how it's... I can't remember now. McAfee. We'll go with that. Oh, now I'm all paranoid. He's never going to listen to this anyway. Um, Who was, what, the kicker for the Colts? Punter. Punter. Is he going to be mad about that, too? Yep, he's going to be mad about that one, too. <laughs> yeah, because Vinatieri was the kicker. In any case, he has a podcast now, and he makes appearances. and He's funny. Yeah. So he did an interview where people were like, asked him about the speeches. Like, what happens during halftime? And he said, no one does speeches. It's not It's not like they go like, all right, boys, this is the fight of your life. Let's go out there. Kick some ass. Think of your legacy. Yeah. <laughs> That doesn't happen. So when they go on these shows and they give speeches all the time, you're just like... It's because they know there's a camera pointing at them, I guess. But do these guys know? Is there or is it there? I don't know. I think that's the question. I think we would perceive it differently if we knew one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that NFL Films goes into the locker rooms after games and they try to get the coaches to give speeches, you know, for all that and give out the handball and the, the handball the game ball and you could tell it's always set up because the cameras are right there the coach is standing right in front of the camera the whole team's not there yeah i mean because the whole team is 53 no yeah 53 or more guys and there's usually 20 maybe yeah on a good day yeah standing around most of it is front office personnel and assistant coaches all standing around and the, the coach always stands towards the camera. Now, you got to figure the camera is there, and it's like a semicircle around the coach. But the coach is talking, facing the camera. So he's not facing everybody else. It's all set up. It's all, you yeah. know, it's all a bunch of malarkey. 
Because everybody thinks that's the way it's supposed to be because Hollywood Hollywood has said that's what coaches do. Right. Coaches don't do that mess. Maybe every now and then they will. If they have to, they'll come in and give some rah-rah speech or, or if they need a kick in the butt. But it's not like they do it every halftime, after every game, at every practice. Just ridiculous. But that's what the show makes it appear. Right. Well, because they're trying to be like Hollywood. Yeah, and there was like very little football. Very little football. It's all this. Yeah. Silly stuff, man. Silly stuff. But I'll tell you this. Cam Newton is the worst dresser on the planet. The guy looks like he bathes in glue and then rolls around in a thrift shop. <laughs> he come walking out one time and he had a foxtail hanging out. It's like a keychain on his book bag. I right. Think. Well, at first we thought, oh my gosh, he's a furry. <laughs> He was. He had a foxtail. It looked like it was hanging out of the back of his jacket. He was riding a motorbike through the city it wasn't at a, night. It wasn't a motorbike. It was like an old electric bike. I tell you, it was weird, man. Weird, weird, weird. No helmet. It was at night. He had no like reflective clothing. I don't even know if that thing had a headlight. It did, but ridiculous. I mean, it was pure. It was purely for show. His whole outfit is for show usually but you know they had the camera set up all down the street there was like 20 different angles of him riding this they even had a car some type of vehicle in front of him that was riding with a camera on it to capture that so yeah these guys had to have known they were being filmed for something and i wonder if nfl films does this to like a whole bunch of different teams and they just don't let you know which team they're going to pick the footage for for the all or nothing and i think that NFL films in general is just all over the place all the time. But so to, they're used to having a camera in their face. To be like, okay, we want you to ride this goofy looking old steampunk electric <laughs> bicycle. It was. It was really steampunk. Down the street of Charlotte. And we're going to be in a car and a camera in front of you and catch video. And then we're going to have cameras set up all down the streets. and all that. Yeah. I don't know. But maybe, maybe they don't say what it's for. Maybe they just think it's marketing material or something. Yeah, because they're always having to do that. Right, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. They, they actually showed that in the, the All or Nothing, them doing some marketing material, getting in front of cameras, yeah. and taking pictures and stuff. Who was it was said, I'm, I'm really nervous. Reed, that was Reed, right? No, it was that guy from England. Oh, that's right, the London guy. Yeah. Obujawe Gugagi Bobby. Their defensive end. Too big I- to play soccer, apparently. <laughs> well, they showed him going back to London. Because he came from a London football team, mm-hmm. like Amer- a London American football team. That's what they call it, right? American football. Anyway, he goes back and has a reunion with his team over there. Was that it, his team or was it just friends? No, that They're was all, his team. Really? Yeah. Huh. He was bigger than all of them. Except for that one guy in the white shirt. That guy was pretty big. Yeah. He was obviously an offensive lineman. <laughs> yeah. You can kind of look at him and tell. But yeah, you know, they seek out these storylines. They do. They do. I don't know, man. It's just it's, it. It just feels so forced. I would like to see like Luke Keekley. You know, they did touch on the fact that a he's, little bit. Yeah, I, a yeah. Bit. I would like to see more of that. Like, I don't want to see the showmen. Right. I'd I like want to see, see the football players. I'd like to see Keekley sit. You know, because he's obviously a a film buff, and I'd like to see them talk to him about how he watches film, what's he look for, blah blah blah, stuff like that. Football stuff. Yeah. I want to see football stuff. It's a football program. I'm a football guy. I want to see football stuff. I don't care about your silly outfits, your foxtail keychains, <laughs> your electric motorbikes, whether you're from London and you talk funny, <laughs> or if you want to kneel for the anthem. I don't care. Yeah. Football is what I care about. Yeah. 
I did gather from Keekly, I had always heard that he's a film buff, but I didn't realize that what he's doing during the game is he sniffs out plays that he's seen on film, and that's how what makes him so good is that he knows what you're going to do because he studied you so much. I think that's going to work to our advantage when we play them in week two because there's going to be one game on us. Yeah, as far as Keekly's concerned. Yeah, right, Exactly. Definitely. Definitely. And hopefully we'll throw in enough tricky stuff that they won't be able to just be able to immediately identify the play just by looking at the formation. Right. Who was it he was talking about and he said, oh, he was talking about Trubisky. said, we only have four games of film on him. Yeah. So it was like, it's going to be kind of hard to figure him out a little bit. So uh, you see, that was, that was, it. I was all up on that. I was like, yeah, this is good. This is good stuff here. But then, that was like five minutes. Yeah. They didn't touch on him very much. No. Which Again, is, he's not a presence on the camera. He's not goofy. He's not. No. He doesn't have He's this, very serious. He doesn't have the. He's not a showman. A showman, yeah. Which you're like, God, I don't care about that mess. They want everybody to be Joe Namath, I think. Yeah. And then they have, they brought in Eric Reed and the new owner. He appears to want to use Eric Reed's storyline as marketing, I think. Mm-hmm. He's like, let him do whatever he wants. We'll get him. It will connect him with places in the community that he could do outreach with or whatever he wants to do for his political agenda. We support that. This is the same guy that wants to move the Panthers, right, to South Carolina? I think so. <laughs> yeah, apparently he's moving or did move the team's headquarters to South Carolina. You know, that's where they're going to have the practice. So I don't know. But anyhow, it seems like he's wanting to get out of North Carolina and move the team to South Carolina. Well, Charlotte isn't that far from the South Carolina line. Right, and it's the Carolina Panthers. Right, so I think they want to appeal more to South Carolina. They've already got the fools in North Carolina supporting that <laughs> foolish team. They're going to try to get it some more suckers. But that Cam Newton just... Uh, it's He's ridiculous. He's ridiculous. I don't know if it's kind of the spirit of the city. Like, you get to these cities that are kind of hipster and... Because yeah, be. that's that's what he reminds me of. That's a what hipster. Make, yeah, a yes. hipster. Yeah. Just try so dang hard. Yeah. And to me, again, there's no chemistry. No one really seemed to care about football besides Keekly. And again, maybe it's just that they didn't show a whole lot of football, and that was the problem. We did see one instance where Cam was talking about football on the sideline. Mm-hmm, yeah. So yeah. that was an interesting side of him. I might and have he, more respect for him. He actually said some good stuff, too. Right. What did he say? Oh, man. Something about what kind of coverage they're running, so then we could just keep running it down their throat. Something like that. I think he was talking to the tight end, the the tight end that was in place of... Olsen. Olsen. Yeah. And he was telling him to, you know, watch the linebacker and then run an eye or something like that. I can't remember, but it was, I was pretty drunk by that point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what they were specifically talking about, but it was good football and kind of some good field general stuff that mm-hmm. you're like, okay, maybe I could respect him more as a football player if they showed more of that shit and not him dressing like an idiot or going to get his hair cut. Like, I don't care about that <laughs> stuff. That's what it started off with, him in smoking a barbershop, smoking a cigar. Oh God, speaking of which... Oh, we'll get into that here in a minute. <laughs> Remind me about the cigar smoking stuff. Okay. But one thing I did like about the the show is that I learned that Pat McCaffrey is Ed McCaffrey's son. Christian McCaffrey. Christian, what did I say, Pat? Yeah. I'm thinking, we still, talk, thinking of Pat yeah, McCaffrey. Yeah, we talked about Matt McCaffrey. Yeah. Is that Matt McCaffrey? Pat. Pat. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Christian McCaffrey is Ed McCaffrey's son. I did not know that. It, but if you would have had, if you would have put a gun to my head and say, "Who does this guy play like?" I might would have said Ed McCaffrey because they, they look the same. Little short little guys that just was Ed short like Christian? Mm-hmm. Because the clip that they showed in the Pretty show, short. he looked bigger than Christian, and I'm like, oh, maybe Christian became a running back because he just didn't have the size that his dad did. Oh yeah, oh, he was six foot five inches. God, I don't know. He looked lanky. He was a tough little guy, though. Tough big guy. How about that? Wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. But yeah, he took him to the Super Bowl twice, I think. One one with uh, John Elway. McCaffrey is the only one on that offense that I'm afraid of. That I don't want to play. I'm like, man, he's gonna torch us every game. Yeah, the, the, it's really hard to stop him. There, there is no stopping him. It's just limit the amount of damage he's gonna do. Yeah, he's just one of those players that he he's always gonna get sixty yards minimum and a touchdown. And a touchdown, yeah. It's just we were actually talking about doing that, sitting sitting and figuring out what's the minimum we can hold McCaffrey. Yeah, to. Yeah, what's his floor? Yeah, what's his floor, and let's aim for that. Because <laughs> yeah, you ain't gonna stop. You ain't gonna shut him down. No. And their offense is good for that. They have those tricky read option plays. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of end arounds where they pitch it into the running backs. A lot of, lot of weird stuff. Yeah. Makes it fun, though. It does. They are interesting. But with Cam, it's easy to neutralize him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a really one-dimensional right. quarterback. If he wasn't in this system, he wouldn't be crap. I mean, he's a big guy. He's hard to get down. That's really his... Bread and butter. Yeah. But if you keep him in the pocket, force him to throw. Yeah, then you're going to win that all day long. Yeah, and that's what we did to him the second game last year when we just stomped him. With his gimpy shoulder. Yeah, now granted he was injured, but they knew enough to exploit the injury that way. And I'm not confident that had he not been injured, it would have been much different. No, Uh uh-uh. No, the way he beats you is with his legs. Right. He's like a Ben Roethlisberger that's athletic. Yeah. He's big, strong, hard to take down. But he's got some moves. Like, Ben will just run you over. Right, yeah. But Ben will drag you a little bit. Right, exactly. Cam might juke you a little bit. He might juke you out. And and Ron Rivera, to his credit, has fashioned a system around that type of play. You could say it's North Turner, whatever. I don't care, but... No, I mean, it predated North. Yeah. Looking in the box, because Norv sits during the games in the box, and there's this really young guy beside him, like looks like a teenager, so young, or early 20s. That's their defensive coordinator. It was their defensive coordinator. No, he's still the coordinator. They're just taking play calling from him, and he's only responsible, I think, for the front seven. I thought they got rid of their defensive coordinator last year, like no. mid- midway through the season. No, they fired their defensive line coach and I think a secondary coach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to see all that, I'm sure. See, it. this is what we've only gotten through the first three episodes. It's kind of boring because they're winning and we're all mad. Yeah, we don't care about that. We want to see them explode. Yeah. Implode. I'm excited to see our games against that. Well, not the first one, but the second one. Oh, no, that first one was bad. Bad, yeah. Yeah. We got stomped. And we're going to have to listen to him talking shit in in the episode. (laughs) We might just skip that one. I know. Speaking of talking shit, Joe Buck's fan did an article the other day. This goes back to the uh, cigar smoking stuff. Okay. On uh, Buccaneers had sent Bo Allen out with Casey Phillips, and he went out to one of the local cigar places and learn how to roll a cigar. And Joe Buck's fan writes an article about Buccaneers are promoting tobacco smoking. And they just kind of go off on the Buccaneers organization. 
And he said they close it with Joe hates seeing the Bucks too often looking like the clown show of the NFL. And this video certainly fuels that image. They took this little promo piece way too seriously. Yeah, they're they're saying, well, you know, their training facility is the Advent Health. And here they have their players out rolling cigars. You know, it's like, what? You're playing football, dude. You know, these guys are going to get hurt on the field. Uh, should they not have Advent Health sponsoring them because of that? Yeah. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I But... It's Joe Buck's fan. I like Joe Buck's fan. I think they're probably the hardest working guys. Here's the- what I like about them is that they they do have the fan perspective. They're right. too and negative they're, for me. They're open with their fan bias, too. Right. But they're on the negative end of the fan base. Right. Like, we do have a contingent of fans that are very negative, and they attract those people. And I think kind of poke those people to instigate a lot. But they do come out with a lot of interesting stuff that from a fan perspective I find interesting but like it's not something that you're going to see the mainstream reporters report on. Yes, these guys, I mean they put out 10 articles a day probably if you want to call them articles they're basically blurbs, but you know, I mean they 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 bust their butt. They're really deep into this stuff. But you got to figure they've been they started this website I think it was 2009. Mm-hmm. That was like at the beginning of our downslide. So they've just ever since they've done this site, ever since they've been jokebucksfan.com, they've had nothing good to write about. Yeah. You know, it's just been crap team after crap team after crap team with a few teams of hope sprinkled in here and there. I I give them a I give them a break. A lot of times I do. I don't like how negative they are, but I do understand that negativity gives more views and they're doing this for a living. So, you know, they're trying to get viewers to their. But I think that they sincerely feel that way, too. I do, too. In Steve, fact, Steve, not so Steve, much. not so much. I was listening to the Ira Kaufman podcast, and it was all three of them, Lee, Steve, and Ira. And they were given their predictions for the season, and Steve said nine and seven, which is lower than what we said our floor prediction was for six. the team. Yeah. Ten and six. But they gave Steve a hard time. Lee and Ira were giving him a hard time about nine and seven. Yeah, they were crapping all on him. Yeah. If now is not the time to be optimistic about your team, you just go find another sport to follow. I mean, if you can't be optimistic about your team during the offseason and the preseason, then why even follow the sport? you got to have some periods of hope. You know, I mean, because if the if the season starts out and then it just all goes to hell, you've got the offseason to look forward to. <laughs> but these guys don't even look forward to that. No. They're just negative all the time. Steve, not so bad. Yeah. You know, I, th- I, I could almost tell who, who writes which article. Yeah, I can tell, I think. Yeah. This one was definitely written by... Lee. Yes. But, but it's just... Come on, guys. Yeah, it's ridiculous. This is what you're... Really? But this is... this That article is probably one of their most highly viewed articles of the offseason. I guarantee it. Just because it generated controversy. It's clickbait yeah. title. Blah, blah, blah. But I'm just like, come on, guys. You know, I mean, you're, you're like the spearhead of the fan base. Well, you're kind of grasping at straws. Like, if that's what makes you upset, you're just looking for something to be mad about. And don't refer to the our organization, the Buccaneers, as a bunch of clowns. Yeah. That's what bothers me. Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. I mean, dude, let's help the team win. That's what our job is as fans. Help them win. Negativity ain't going to do it. Yeah. But Pew Report, 
They did a it got through a pewter report in there since we were talking about Joe Buck's fame. They did an article on uh, David Kinney the other day on their in their Fab Five. Oh, did they? Yeah. It's funny because we were just talking about him. How he's kind of fallen off How, the face yeah, of the earth. The like media, no one's saying anything. Yeah, the media just stopped talking about him. And we haven't heard anything about him. But then, then they go and they do this. They, they, there wasn't a whole lot new there. They had a lot of quotes and stuff from that we had talked about on the podcast when we talked about David Kenny. But towards the end there, they did have some new stuff where he was talking about uh, he's having a difficult time dealing with coverage because he's he's a pass rush specialist. And in this defense, he's going to have to fall back in coverage. Wait, is he's an outside linebacker defensive end? Yes. Yes. Oh. So they'll probably do that with Nassib too then. Yeah. Yeah, Spence, Nassib. Gotcha. Okay. So... He's just like, you know, coverage has really got me stumped. But he's like, I'll get through it. I'll work through it. I have to and all that. I liked him, though, man. Little Baby Wolf. That's what they called him. Baby Wolf. Was it Mathis called him that? Baby Wolf. I like that he's a pass rush rush specialist. That's hard to say. <laughs> say it ten times quick. I can't. Pass rush specialist. 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 Do you have a list? <laughs> Bruce. Bruce. <laughs> But everyone's been bitching about the pass rush. We don't have a pass rush. Here we go. We got a specialist, guys. It's fixed. <laughs> Fantasy football over here. That's right. We got the numbers. Plugged them in. It's working. Well, we know our secondary is fixed. Bruce told us that. <laughs> Bruce Arians. Okay, but if he's not great in coverage, Bruce Arians is kind of all about using people to their strengths and not asking them to do things that they can't do. We'll find out. So maybe are they just trying him there to see what his capacity is? And that might, because he's kind of on the bubble, that might determine whether he makes the team, if he shows improvement in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Lots have been made here recently, and I think a lot of it is because it's off-season, but about our uniforms. You know, we can, <laughs> we can change our uniforms. The time, supposedly, I mean, according to the NFL rules, we can, but I heard the other day that maybe there's a contract with Nike that's not allowing us to change our rules, oh, our, our maybe. uniforms. Oh, maybe. It's not the same as the NFL rules. Right. NFL rules, you can change them every four years, I think. Anyhow, we can change our uniforms. and Everybody's clamoring for us to change our uniforms. One, I've said this many times on the podcast, I love the helmet, love the new logo, love the word mark. Love them, love them, love them. I mean, it, to me, it's 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 beautiful. It's, it's a piece of art. It looks fierce, it looks mean, and it's good football stuff. The uniforms themselves, yeah, kind of like, eh, I'm, I'm on the fence with them and their colors and the design and all that. But the numbers have got to go. they got to go. This is this is coming from somebody that watches film. I can't read the damn numbers. <laughs> it is so aggravating. You can't see the ones on the shoulder pads at all. That doesn't even make sense. Why would you even have numbers there? Because the shoulder pads are really tiny. Well, when they're like in, there's no sleeves. When they're well, on all 22, when you're looking at the coach's film from the end zones, guys are lined up, they're bent over. All you can see is their shoulder pads. Right. So the numbers really help identifying. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that the shoulder pad is so small of an area, you couldn't even see it. Like from s- that far away. I could see it on like the the, the Bears and a, a lot of teams. The Dallas really? Cowboys. Yeah, you can see the numbers really good. Huh. Yeah. The Buccaneers, no, not at all. But I was looking at some man caves, Buccaneer man caves. There was like a thread going on on Twitter and people were posting. One guy had a really nice setup, but he had all of his jerseys. He had game-worn jerseys. The guy obviously spent a lot of money on his his man cave. He had all of his game-worn jerseys. He probably had 15 of them encased in glass, framed behind his couch. 
And he took a picture with the lights on, then he took a picture with the lights off, and the numbers were like glow in the dark. It was really cool. You know, when he when he took the picture with the flash, it like all the numbers just popped right uh, that's out. That's cool. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's cool. And then the, the alarm clock numbers didn't even look bad. You, they didn't look like a cl- alarm clock numbers because you could actually see the different angles of the numbers, you know, because alarm clock numbers are very boxy. Yeah. Our numbers aren't really boxy. We got angles on some of the lines that alarm clock. And you could really see it then. I was like, oh, that looks pretty neat. But no, get rid of the numbers. So what you're saying is that they designed these jerseys in the dark. (laughs) I like the reflective stuff. I do. But here's my question. I bring that up because ever since we've had those jerseys, that uniform change, we've sucked. When we changed in 97 or whatever it was to from the creamsicle to the red, boom, we went to the Super Bowl and we were a fierce, monstrous team. And we were good during the Gruden era, too. Went to the playoffs and winning records, all that good stuff. We change these uniforms, and we suck. My question is, how much do you think uniforms contribute to outcomes of games? Okay, when exactly did we change them? Like in 2014, right? 2013? We changed them twice. We changed them in, I want to say, 2008, and then we changed them again in 2014 to this one. Hold okay. on, let me, let me look that up and make sure we're correct. All right, we changed from the pewter to, I mean, the... Creamsicles to the pewter in 1997. And then in 2012, they changed aspects of the jerseys and some of the colors as well. They used a black, more black accent. Uh, NFL logo was placed right underneath the V-neck of each player's jersey. Pewter became the main color on the team's helmet and pants, whereas before it was uh, white pants and stuff. And then in 2014 is when they made the big switch to this whole redesign stuff. I'd be interested, interested to see what our win-loss was like. During these periods, we should look into it. Well, I'm a believer in that, you know, football football is a game of physical prowess. You, know, you got to be fast. You got to be strong. You got to be tough. You want to reflect that in your presentation. It's like when when, when warriors used to go to war, they, they want to wear fierce outfits to basically put that little bit of fear in your opponent. You kind of want to do that with... I think that it does contribute to how you your mindset is. If you go out in a tutu pink, it's going to decrease your your mental toughness. And I think that there is a little bit of a contribution to guys' perception of themselves when they go out there and they're thinking, these uniforms look ridiculous. Everybody in the league hates them. We look silly. And it's a visual thing, too, because your opponent, when you play them... I mean, that makes an impact, the colors and how they, you know, how it affects your vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all this stuff. This is a game of inches. We're talking inches here. Every little thing counts. And if you can give guys more confidence just by having them wear some cool looking stuff, do that. That might make the difference between winning a game or two. Yeah. In a season. I I think we should change them. I think you could, you go out before the games. You know, the guys are always talking to each other from both sides. You know, they know each other. Went to college with each other and all that stuff. You know, it gets brought up quite a bit. What uniforms y'all wearing tonight? You know, or what do you think about those uniforms, man? Do you see that article that was written where y'all are the last place uniforms in the league? You got to be like, yeah, no, I can't stand these things. I, like, I think we look so You know, whatever. It's just those little things matter. They add up. So change the damn uniforms. Couldn't hurt. That's my thoughts anyhow. I agree. I think even just a little tweaking, a little redesign. I like the red. I do like the red, the new red. Yeah. I don't like the G. It's It looks too geometric. It looks like arena football. Yeah. Or what you say, Canadian football league. Yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, I, I can live with that. I can live with that. But the numbers, kind of silly. Logo. Love the logo. Love the word mark. Love it. Absolutely love it. Did you see Jameis Winston, some pictures of him uh, in Tallahassee, working out on the campus there? He looks slim. Hold on. Look, let me show you this picture. Look at this. Look at this. Wow. He is cut up. Those there's, quads. There's muscles popping out of his legs. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a muscle there. <laughs> no, look at that. That's crazy. Yeah, he's 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 bulked up and slimmed down. I mean, he looks pretty intense. I mean, look at that forearm muscle. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, he's he looks he looks a lot because he's always looked kind of doughy to me. Just like Josh Freeman before mm-hmm. he started doing cocaine. <laughs> yeah, just kind of soft looking. But in those pictures, I'm kind of impressed. I, I guess he has been. He's gained some weight, and it looks like it's been all muscle, and he's lost some fat. Yeah. Good stuff. Vincent Jackson, we don't hear a whole lot about him anymore, but he's still active in the community in Tampa. You know, he's got his cask social bar down there, Mm -hmm. restaurant. I think he does some real estate. He is still contributing to charities down there. He's having his uh, sixth annual Military Moms Baby Shower. That was this weekend. He just had it. He's donating $90,000 in baby products to 40 expecting or new moms in the area. Oh, that's nice. That's really cool. That's cool, especially because a lot of these people, they're from other areas. A lot of military. Yeah, a lot of military. And if you have to move, you're not close to your family and you might be expecting and you can't have a baby shower because your family is somewhere else. There was some sad news out today. Oh, Devin White's horse, Daisy Mae passed away that is so sad i know like the day before training camp he said he had spent like 10 hours crying he loved that horse you could just tell he had only had her a year Mm -mm -mm. apparently it was she got overheated it's hot out there guys it is you know i don't really know the circumstances behind it but it was just really sad for him right before training camp he just signed his contract Mm. A little bit of good news. Uh, Mike Evans has set up a scholarship at a Texas A&M. That's his alma mater. Mm-hmm. Really sad about Daisy May. I know. You saw a lot of Devin's personality kind of through her and involving her. Because he he seemed to, like, really... That was something we knew about him. And he had a lot of pride in her. And it was one of his interests, you know. It was sad. Yeah, and it definitely, like you said, gave us an insight into his character. Yeah. And horses live a long time. I mean, he was probably expecting to have that horse for yeah. 20 years or so. Yeah. Hmm. So we're going to try to get the rest of that all or nothing done, maybe before the next podcast. Not sure. How many episodes is there? I don't know. <laughs> Three was like hard to get through. That was hard to get through. Thank God for beer. I know. But when it, when they implode, that's going to when it's going to start getting. Yeah. Out. Hopefully, they don't wait till like the last two episodes to show that. Yeah, you know? that'll irritate me. Yeah, it'll be all about how great they are for ten episodes, and it goes, oh, they screwed up. End of season. So we'll, we'll finish. I, I well, something I just thought of in the Bruce Arians All or Nothing, all they talked about was the Super Bowl. That was kind of the mantra of the team. These guys aren't even talking about winning. They bear, they kind of touch on winning, and that's like it. They don't talk about Super Bowl. I mean, they mentioned it a couple of times, and I got in a couple of quips about, hi, I can't win one. <laughs> <laughs> no, they can't, can they? But in general, it's not like they had that goal. Like, it seemed Bruce Arian's team in the 2015 All or Nothing had. Which is the intro to our podcast. It sure is. Every year, 
In the NFL, it's a new team. We got one goal. Put a fucking ring on it. Right? Is that, it took me a minute to think about it. <laughs> Put a ring on it. What is this, a Rihanna song or something? Uh, Beyonce. Oh, Thank Beyonce. You. Okay, excuse me. You should make that the intro. <laughs> this one. <laughs> Or the outro. How's that song We're probably going to copyright thing. I'm not singing it. Sing it. I was trying to get you to sing it. I know you were. You already know. Okay. Oh, the crew members. So Buccaneers, season pass holders, season ticket holders, got their boxes this past week, and they had the Bruce Arians Kangles in them. There were two of them. That is so awesome. If anybody's got a Kangle out there they want to get rid of, hit us up. We want the Kangle. Molly really, really, really wants a Kangle. I do. She, I've been looking she's at been it. Waiting. I've been I've been going to the Buccaneer shop every day to find one. She's like F five refresh. Yeah. Refresh. So yeah, all you uh, season ticket holders that are lucky enough to get the two Kangles. I would love to see pictures on Twitter. I haven't seen anybody wear them. Man, put your pictures up, guys. I know. Put the Kangles on. Wear them proud. You know Maybe what? Maybe people look goofy in a hat. Yeah, a lot of Kangles are kind of hard to pull off. So only certain people can wear Kangles. Yeah. Put them up there anyhow. Who cares? Let's do it. I'm a hat person, so I'm confident that I can pull one off. It's because I have a big forehead. (laughs) A five head. (laughs) All right, so that's going to wrap it up for us. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email Molly. Her email address address. address is mollybay at buccaneersobserver.com. You can get in touch with me, ralph at buccaneersobserver.com. Our Twitter is bucks underscore observer. We have a website, buccaneersobserver.com. We also have a Facebook page, a YouTube, so go search them out. Don't forget to like and share and subscribe to the podcast. That way you don't miss out on any of this good stuff. Until next time. Go Bucks.